She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... The Ogopogo Monster. This episode was written by Nicholas Webster and produced by Nicholas Webster and Diane Rifkin. It was edited by Corky Ellers with assistance by Greg S. Jones. The series was hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy and originally aired on Saturday, January 28th, 1978. On a sunny day in July 1977, Aaron Neely was water skiing with Ed Fletcher and his daughter in Canada's Lake Okanagan. As shown in this reenactment, Aaron was an expert and had skied these waters many times. Neither Ed nor his daughter was alarmed when Aaron took a spill. But they were when she started screaming. <gasps> Safely in the boat, young Aaron told them the terrifying story of coming face to face with a huge serpent-like monster. Aaron was not the first person to see such a creature in Lake Okanagan, nor the last. <gasps> dun, 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 and then we see a man, and he's like, it was a long creature, about two feet wide and about 40 feet in length, and was on top of the water. And then there's a girl with what Nick describes as unfortunate hair. <laughs> was it kind of unfortunate. And she says, it was just incredible the way it moved. And then a woman says, his head seemed to be, um, the shape of a snake. Ooh. Eyewitnesses claim that a monster rises from the depths and surfaces unexpectedly. They call him Ogopogo. In search of the Ogopogo monster. Dun, 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 dun. Theory and conjecture. So sadly, Ogopogo doesn't get Loch Ness treatment. He gets the theory and conjecture, whereas Loch Ness did not. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Loch Ness, they had very special footage. <laughs> They also have very special footage in this one, which we will learn about. They do. It's, it's hilarious, too. It's oh, my great. God. It's hilarious. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I do have some questions, though, about this opening, because we're told that in this reenactment, it shows that Aaron is an expert. And I don't see where the reenactment shows she's an expert. I mean, she fell. So it, it's true. Like she's an expert. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of bobbing. <laughs> I mean, look, I have never... I think I've water skied maybe once, and I was like 10 or something. So I, I don't know what makes you an expert water skier <laughs> but i think falling is just part of it too like it's just how also it aside from the reenactment we never actually get to see aaron she doesn't talk to us about it at all it's we talk to ed and his daughter a lot and i'm and they keep calling her young aaron so i'm guessing she's younger than ed's daughter so i don't know but anyway yeah, yeah. it's just yeah and then also i was gonna be like they say she came face to face with the monster but we didn't see that in the reenactment but i guess it was a reenactment so i guess i'll cut them slack on that one so. yeah yeah. 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 Also, I have some corrections from previous episodes that I realized. So um, basically every episode that aired in January. So that would be Firewalkers Forward. 
I forgot to change the year, so we oh, kept no. saying they were 1977. They were really 1978, which oh, no. unfortunately makes my statement in our Michael Rockefeller episode. I said the episode aired the day after the inauguration of Jimmy Carter and Walter Mondale because Nelson Rockefeller had been previous vice president. But actually, that would have been a year later because it would have been 78, not 77. Oh, so yeah. Too. Yeah. It. When I, because I use a, a template and I changed the date and I didn't change the year on those. So they're <laughs> all wrong. And then also in our unrecorded astrological episode, um, we talked about how old Leonard Nimoy was. Well, actually, I think we talked about it in one of the other episodes too. And so obviously we were off by a year because we were using yeah. the wrong year. So, yeah. So his charts were totally wrong. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. But yeah, we did Leonard Nimoy's entire astrological chart. You'll never hear it because that episode got lost. But yeah, we sat down and we worked the whole it. thing out. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe in the maybe in the redo, we'll, we'll be able to do it. But this we'll do it correctly because we'll have the right year. So yeah, but I think we were saying like he we figured he was like forty five in the episode. Oh yeah, yeah, forty six. Or it was like he was forty six, and so he would have been forty seven. I can't remember mm -hmm. which way it went. Um, he was in 31. So, yeah, he would have been 46. So we said, I think we said he was 45 and he would have been 46. So, again, stuff you don't know about because you didn't get to hear it because we didn't record it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but we know in the depths of our souls that we got it wrong. So we have yeah. to tell you. Yeah. Well, and the big thing, too, was that the whole, like, it aired the day after inauguration was totally mm -hmm. incorrect, too. So. And also the days of the week would be wrong. So. It's true. Yeah. But, yeah, I forgot to change the year. So that's why those are wrong. So I thought about going back and fixing them, and I was like, fuck it, I don't care. I mean, I do care, <laughs> but I'm not going to go back and do it. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Anyway, so now that's done. That's what I got. So, yep. Cool. So we are reminded that people believe a monster lives in Loch Ness. Uh, and for more information on that, you can check out the episode In Search of the Loch Ness Monster which is an episode that we released on September 28th, 2022. So you can go back and listen to that and we will have all the details. Yeah. But in British Columbia, Lake Okanagan is reported to harbor a creature similar to the one in Loch Ness. Ooh. And we learned that the lakes are very similar. They are both at a similar latitude. They're both long and narrow with areas of great depth. Both were formed by shifts in the Earth's crust. And the lake water is similar temperatures in both lakes. Mm. And they contain almost identical types of fish. Yeah, they have salmon and trout. So, Okay. I think different kinds of salmon and trout, but they have salmon Probably, and trout. Probably, yeah. Also, they left off the most important thing. They both have monsters. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be very similar, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So how could such creatures have survived for millions of years if it was, in fact... Some kind of dinosaur-esque monster in the lake. Mm. And what is the monster? Fish, mammal, reptile, or some species thought to be long extinct? Whoa. I would go with the latter. Yeah, obviously. We learned that 40 years ago, they discovered a coelacanth, which was thought to have been extinct. And not only was the one they found alive... But it was much larger than its 60 million year old ancestors. Wow. So, it was there a are things in the depths of the water that we have thought long gone that are still down there. 
or maybe even things we have yet to imagine. <laughs> if such a discovery could happen once, couldn't it happen again? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how probability works. Yes. Sure. Yeah. So the Okanagan Indians <laughs> have lived near the lake for centuries, long before the white man. And according to legend, no member of the Okanagan would attempt to cross the lake without first offering a small animal to the lake monster. There are stories of those who failed to make such an offering. Didn't go well for them, just in case you were wondering. Mm, yeah. And we get, uh, we get a reenactment. Uh, it's not great. Yeah. No. So, and apparently they didn't, they used, um, I don't know what the current names are in the special things at the end. They think the West Lake Indians. So I don't know if that is a different tribe or whoever, if that was who did the reenactment. The reenactment wasn't great. So I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Then they talk to a very white lady <laughs> who is. Very white. Oh I was very surprised. I was like, wait. Okay. <laughs> and she is dressed in native clothing. It's a good look. And black pumps. Didn't go with it. And she curates the museum that is dedicated to the Okanagan culture. And she says they have learned that the legends of the native people have a lot of truth and fact in them. So sucks for a while, but I kind of boiled it down. But yeah, she's totally like you almost she seemed like she should be hosting like a 1950s cooking show. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Maybe a British cooking show, too. Possibly. Yeah. We meet Mary Moon, who is the author of Ogopogo, the Okanagan mystery. And she calls the monster the snake in the lake. Yeah, which is that's good. It's rhyming. It catches. Yeah, she talked about how like she showed up to. I guess she showed up to write about other stuff, and then kept hearing people talking about Ogopogo, and so she found all about it. So yeah, she's kind mm-hmm. of boring, honestly. And then Harry and Betty Staines often cruise these waters, and we talk to them a little. And Harry is the man from the opening, and we learn that Betty was scared to death because the monster was so huge, and she noticed the white bone structure of its fins. Harry says they've been boating in the lake for over 30 years, and they had heard stories of Ogopogo, but they didn't believe it at first. They thought it was nonsense. Except Mm -hmm. now that they've seen it, they know it's true. And then we meet Jeffrey Sherwin, and he tells a story that is also kind of boring. He remembers two humps, so he's seen Mm -hmm. humps. Yeah. And then there's Ed Fletcher and his daughter, Jill. They have pictures. Mm-hmm. And the pictures are kind of similar to a lot of the other pictures of the lake monster, where it kind of looks like black humps in the water. Or waves. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, waves. We learned that they see the monster frequently, or at least have had several experiences. And they believe it's because their boat apparently creates electrolysis in the water that would disturb the monster and so it would you know cause the monster to come up out of the water they've apparently seen ogopogo 40 or 50 times yeah i don't know about the whole creates electrolysis thing but apparently the monster likes that so it follows yeah. him around a lot yeah i thought he was gonna have like it was like a picture of like a female ogopogo like on the bottom of the boat or something when he was, oh. he was like he thought i think it's because our boat and he goes to walk around and i thought we were gonna see like he was gonna flip it over or something he had it painted like painted painted yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been hilarious. <laughs> then we're told their pictures might look just like a wave, 
but a closer look reveals something much more difficult to explain. <gasps> that is commercial. I think what's difficult to explain is that they've seen this monster 50 times and have not managed to get a solid photo of the whole thing, you know, coming out of the water or something. Well, they didn't say it came out of the water 50 times. They just said they've seen it 50 times. Well, yeah, true, but always, still, I feel like there's yeah. a lot of opportunity there. You think if it's attracted to their boat that it would be, like, coming up. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Hard yeah. to say. So, the In Search of Camera team decided to explore under the surface of Lake Okanagan. They're undoubtedly still drunk from the success of their video proof at Loch Ness. So, they're yes. excited. They're very excited. And I was excited they were there to get some in search of footage. They're going to lock it down just like they did the Loch Ness Monster. So (laughs) in case you need a refresher, they found total proof that the Loch Ness Monster exists. (laughs) Yeah, their footage is like, well, we'll let you listen to that episode if you want to hear what they're My wife's favorite part of that episode is when I shout, suck it, National Geographic. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, yeah, we have a... Interesting we relationship. We get a little competitive. So. Yeah. <laughs> so they team up with local diver Cal Vevin, and then in search of cameraman Barry Heron is going to go with him. And apparently he's an underwater cameraman, so he knows what he's doing. So the lake is apparently, actually, the lake is like 84 miles long. So it is a very big lake. Yes. Very long and narrow. It's very long, but it's only like a mile or two wide on every side. So even yeah, I think really it is big, widest, not... it might be. Three miles. I don't remember. It might have been three kilometer. I forget because mm-hmm. since it's Canada, all the stuff I was looking up was kilometers, and it would have like the miles and the parentheses, and so I forget which way it was going. But yeah, it's it's similar proportions to Loch Ness, which is why mm-hmm. I actually go into some detail on that in the end of the episode. So we'll talk about that some more. But anyway, they figure since you know it's eighty miles long, they want to hedge it and be like, you know, the chance of filming the monster is slim. So you know, in search of cameras are on you know the job, but just. Don't get your expectations up. So, yeah. You know. I mean, there are 80 miles of lake here to cover people. It's yeah. going to be hard. Yeah. So to increase their chance, they decided to dive where Ed Fletcher has seen the creature many times. Because clearly this is where the creature is hanging out. I mean, that makes sense. It know. does make sense. And it's also yeah. the same spot where young Aaron Neary had her encounter. Ooh. So we know he's definitely been seen there by several people. Mm-hmm. Strangely, there were no fish down there, but also no monster. So they were like, well, there's no fish. Maybe the monster is eating all the fish, but they didn't see the monster either. So, yeah, because there should be fish there, apparently. Yes. Because apparently that's a fish place, but not. Could be the boat scared him away. I was going to say, possibly they were scared away by the diver. And that's yeah, why there you know were what, no fish. You know, every time a boat shows up, some of our friends go missing. I mean, we should maybe leave. I don't know. But yeah. Mm. And a public meeting was announced by the local press. In Search Of was amazed by the number of people who came out to share their unusual sightings. Oh, yeah. We see like a crowd of people hanging out, ready to talk to the In Search Of cameras. So mm-hmm. it's a good, good call. Yeah, I did think it was weird. So we're going to we're going to talk to some of these people. But before they did that, someone was all like. Who here has seen the monster? Raise your hand. I'm like, dude, you put out a press thing saying, like, come if you've seen the monster. Like, they all raise their hand. Duh. You, they, you don't need to ask that question. That was weird. But, anyway. <laughs> but it's great B-roll. It's great B-roll. <laughs> I guess got so. All these people, I guess so. Like, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it. I don't even. That's not even really B-roll. But, you know, it's great. 
footage. It's A-roll. It is A-roll. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot my stuff. I know film stuff. <laughs> I know what you meant, though. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of used as B-roll because, like, Lee was talking over it. And they just kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. So. So an older woman tells of her and her mother seeing the creature. She's definitely told this story before because she has hand and arm motions that go along with it. So clearly mm-hmm. a practice tale. Yeah. She was holding the book. I thought she was going to whip out like, and I wrote this book. She, <laughs> book that would have been good. No, <laughs> she, she definitely, she tells has definitely told that story before. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time she's at a party, she's like, I've got a story. I saw the, I saw Ogopogo. And we don't know, but it sounds almost like she saw it when she was a little girl, is the way she's mm-hmm. telling it. And she's older now, so you know she's told that story many times. Yes. And then we see another guy who saw the creature, and he was with his buddy, but his buddy's in Prince George now, so he's not there to tell you about it. But anyway. And then they went for coffee, and everyone said that they'd been drinking, and he probably was drinking. I think he might have been drinking when he's telling the story, honestly. <laughs> um, he doesn't seem like he... He seems like... I don't know. He, Yeah, he's an interesting dude. He's very... um. Yeah, <laughs> but we're told these people obviously did see something. However, moving images reflected in the water can be deceiving. But then enough of that. We're going to go back to these stories because stories are interesting. So, uh huh. Yep. So a grape grower says he saw a big black log while riding his tractor. Then the log moved, and two green coils came up out of the water. It was the most beautiful green you'd ever seen. Ooh. And then this one guy has a very odd mustache, and he saw churning water. It looks like a fake mustache, and he put it on too low because he's got like a bunch of space below his nose, oh, and then yeah. he's got mustache, but it's he's kind of a full mustache. Little, little yeah, lip mustache. Yeah. yeah, but it's not like a little thin pencil like Vincent Price mustache. It's like a full mustache, but there's a gap between his nose and the mustache. Very strange. <laughs> very strange. And then the lady next to him has a very interesting accent and definitely thinks there's something serpentine about the creature. And she's like, there's definitely something serpentine. about." It's very like, whoa, where did that voice come from? But yeah, she's, I don't know, maybe it's for the cameras. I'm not sure. Yeah. But everyone's seen lots of humps. So lots of humps. Humps, humps, humps. Humps in the water. Yep, and then we find <laughs> out, we see a photo of humps. Everyone <gasps> see humps, and we see three oh humps gosh. in the water. Oh, my God. They got footage. They got footage. And then Leonard Nimoy tells us that the In Search of crew got hoaxed one day by three tires tied together. <laughs> so, I laughed so hard. It was so funny. Like, he's just, like, he's kind of rueful, and, like, you know, he's got this little abashed, you know, like, ah, ha, ha, you guys got us. It's really cute, but also just the fact that people knew the insurgent cameras were there trying to find the monster, and so they went out, and they tied three tires together. I'm like, that is the funniest thing. I hope whoever did it, like, tells that story all the time. Like, they're just in bars <laughs> telling people how they pranked the insurgent cameras, and Leonard Nimoy had to sit there and explain. <laughs> that the in search of crew got really excited that they had finally seen the monster and then realized it was a prank. Like they're watching this episode, like in the bar, and everyone's like, yeah. oh, Dave, you're the greatest. That was the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Ed Fletcher believes in the monster, and he has spent much of his own time and money doing his own research. 
like at the aquarium. Mm-hmm. So we see him at an aquarium and there are some sharks swimming around behind him. And he's talking to one of the aquarium people and they talk about like how the monster moved and how it swam. And, you know, they're looking at how sharks swim and he's like asking if it had scales. They're kind of trying to nail down what it was. Mm-hmm. And he suggests that it could be an eel because if there's an unsexed male who doesn't ever like go to the spawning area, he would just get larger and larger and larger. And so there could just be like an oversized eel on the lake that people are mistaking for a monster. Which was the main theory we got at the end of the Loch Ness episode. hmm Yeah. And local diver Cal Vevin and cameraman J. Barry Heron try again where legends tell of a cave-like home of the monster. Ooh. So they found many cavernous openings, but no Ogopogo inside. And all I have to say is I was watching that footage and I was like, nope, nope. No, no, uh-uh. no. One, I would not go into a lake looking for a monster. No. Number one. And then also, if they're like, oh, the monster might live in these caves, I would not be looking in caves down in the water. <laughs> nope. Well, they want to find it. They want to find proof. You know what? There are other ways to find it besides going down there and getting eaten. So. So, unable to capture the creature on film, they head off to meet Arlene Gall who's the author of Beneath the Depths. She's also reported to own the only known motion picture footage of Ogopogo, the Folden film, which was shot in 1968 by Art Folden. Ooh. So it's like the Bigfoot footage of Ogopogo, basically. Yeah. It is kind of cool footage. Like, when they show it, you can kind of see, like, I don't think there's really a dinosaur under there but you can kind of see the shape of something and like you can see why it's compelling footage yeah well sadly they don't think there's a dinosaur either they think it's a serpent but, yes i know yeah. i know although a lot of the art seems to show well not all some of the art we'll talk about that at the end too but yeah mm-hmm. um there is art that shows it that looks basically like the loch ness like a plesiosaur but everyone seems to be describing a serpent although the head seems to change because some people say it's a horse head which is actually the classic description of sea serpents it's always like it looks like a horse's head but then obviously we know at least from the beginning someone else said it looks like a serpent's head mm-hmm. so like a snake head yeah but anyway we come back from commercial and we talk to dr willard bascom the director of the southern california coastal waters project and that's to uh, Ed Fletcher was talking to at the aquarium. So they thank the San Diego Aquarium in the credits. And so I don't know if like Ed flew down to San Diego and that was like at the San Diego Aquarium or if that was somewhere in Canada. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure where the San Diego Aquarium comes in, oh. in this episode, but it is in the thanks. And this is from the Southern California Coastal Waters Project where Dr. Bascom works. So maybe so. I don't know. Southern California, yeah. San Diego. That would make sense. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't see how any animal quite so large could have developed in the relatively short time since the lake was frozen over, or it was apparently solid during the Ice Ages. So it was like frozen solid, not just frozen over. So during the Ice Ages, which was what, like 12,000 years ago, I think is what the Ice Ages were? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Somewhere between like 12 and 20, I forget. Anyway, didn't do that research. Sorry. Anyway, whatever (laughs) this creature would be, it would still have the same problems of like needing oxygen and needing food and mating that any other similar creature could have, right? It's not like a mortal hasn't been living since like ancient times, right? It's got to be like (laughs) descendants of creatures. I mean, as far as you know. (laughs) That's true. 
That is true. But yeah, you know, in theory, it's got all the same problems that like any other thing should have, assuming it's right. actually like a non supernatural creature. So, yeah. The persistent question remains What is it so many reliable witnesses say they've seen in the lake? Could so many people be wrong? Yes, yes, they could. Also, reliable witnesses are not necessarily a thing. Also, the descriptions don't always match. So, yeah. Yeah. Whether the creature is something known or unknown, it's difficult to ignore these pictures and the large number of sightings of a creature scientists cannot explain. What it is, we still don't know. Perhaps someday a scientific expedition will tell us. In the meantime... The Folden film provides us with the most conclusive evidence that something very large lives in Lake Okanagan. <gasps> and then it's over. Because that was a closing narration. That's how that works. Yes. So. Yep. And also remember, this is 1978. So at the time, that was the only film footage. I want to say video, mm-hmm. but it wasn't video. It was, you know, probably like 8 millimeter or maybe 16 millimeter. Uh-huh. So. But yeah, obviously there's been other things since then. So I'll be honest, I never really cared about Ogopogo. Maybe because it's Canada. (laughs) I don't know. Or maybe because, I mean, honestly, it's a dumb name. So it's not a great name. And it's not, and I'm not like negating like a native name because that's not the native name either. Um, That's just a name they came up with for some reason. I do not know why. I didn't do enough research to find out where the name came from. But there is a native name for it that I cannot pronounce, but starts with an N. And there's a link for that in the show notes if you're interested. They do mention it a couple times in the episode, but I can't pronounce it. So, Mm -hmm. But also, as we mentioned this a little bit, for the most part, they consider it to be a serpent. Mm -hmm. And we know that I'm not a fan of the serpent monsters. I'm not a fan of the humps. I prefer the dinosaurs. I like the plesiosaur. So that may have been something, too, where I was just like, ah, fuck, that's fake. It's a serpent. Also, like... I grew up in a lake town, so, like, I think for me, the idea of, like, monsters just feels silly because, like, I just live near a lake and, you know, it just was, like, I was at the lake all the time. Like, that's not a thing. Like, okay. I don't know. It was never something I believed as much as, like, Bigfoot always seemed more plausible to me. I also was in the woods a lot. Harry and Betty Staines were living in there and they'd been boating for 30 years and weren't believers until they saw it. Yeah, so. well, we'll talk about what, what people are seeing, <laughs> more or less. Anyway, so we talked a little bit about the similarity with Loch Ness, so some comparisons here. So Loch Ness is at about 57 degrees north, where Okanagan Lake, and actually it's called Okanagan Lake. They keep saying Lake Okanagan, but like if you look at it, it's actually Okanagan Lake. I don't know about the difference between order, but apparently the official name is Okanagan Lake, not Lake Okanagan. So, yeah. Anyway, Okanagan Lake is at about 50 degrees north, which is a difference of about 480 miles if you're traveling northways. The length of Okanagan Lake is discussed. The lake is about 84 miles long. It's only about 80 miles from the U.S.-Canadian border, though, and about 300 miles from Seattle, Washington. So it's actually really not that far north. It is at about 1,100 feet elevation and has a maximum depth of 760 feet with an average depth of 250 feet and contains about 6.5 trillion gallons of water. Oof. So, yeah, it has two islands. And 
inconvenient for lake monsters it was frozen over in 1905 1906 so during that winter time and then also in 1949 1950 so that would be bad for lake monster unless there's an outlet which i mean it, it does it does have outlets so i guess you could you know head on out if you needed to during the time so in comparison loch ness is 52 feet elevation so almost sea level and has a maximum depth of about 750 feet so actually really close 760 mm-hmm. 750. However, Loch Ness's average depth is 430 feet, so almost a 200 feet difference. So it's deeper overall, usually. Mm -hmm. And it only contains about 2 trillion gallons, which does make sense because it's actually only like quarter the length of Okanagan Lake. It's only like 20 miles long. So, and Loch Ness has one island, and as far as I know, it has never been frozen over in recorded history. So, despite being further north. So, but it's also, I think it's closer to the sea. So that's probably part of it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I snickered when Mary Moon came on because I could not get the Dead Eye Dick song out of my head. <laughs> New Age Girl. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's the first thing that came to my mind because I grew up in the <laughs> 90s. So, yeah. And then Arlene Gall, the book that's mentioned in the episode is Beneath the Depths, and that was released in 1976, which is usually, if they're talking to someone, they've probably got a book that came out like within a couple of years of the episode, so you can kind yeah. of make that a guarantee. It did have an exclusive four-page fold-out of the Folden film. <gasps> so nice. Yeah, so photos of it, obviously not the film itself. She did write one in 1955, however, that was entitled Ogopogo. The True Story of the Okanagan Lake Million Dollar Monster. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why it's a million why, dollar monster. Why is it? Yeah, I was going to I don't ask. know. Maybe there was a bounty on it or something? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. And then she wrote another one in 2001 with the title In Search of Ogopogo, the Sacred Creature of the Okanagan Waters. So different vibes from those two titles. Mm-hmm. Oh, very different. Like 50 years. Yeah, so I think Beneath the Depths is maybe a bridge. But Beneath the Depths shares the art with the first book. It's like line art in the 55 book, and then it's like painted in the 76 book. The first book and the second book were published by the same publisher, but the middle book, the one that's mentioned in this episode, was published by someone different. Hmm. So don't know why. She gave me some Margaret Hamilton vibes from The Night Strangler when they were talking to her. I think it's because, like, the way she talked, and then she was in that room full of books and everything, and it was all... But yeah. So. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, she didn't talk about Comte de Saint Germain, but um I did kind of get that <laughs> vibe from her. She's not as old as Margaret Hamilton was in that episode. But um and she died recently. I think she died like in two thousand twenty one, I think. Oh so, Arning Gall. No. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a monster in the lake, but Yeah, I don't think so either. So um I looked up a couple articles. I was surprised there's not like a ton. Like there's a lot of YouTube videos, which doesn't surprise me because yeah. if you have some kind of like cryptid channel, an easy thing to do is go to a lake and talk about a monster and film it and see if anything pops up. Nothing ever does. That's what mm. I should do. I should just go to Tahoe and just like stand in front of the lake and be like, Will we see Nessie today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just set the camera up and then just spend an inordinate amount of time looking at the footage later and try to pick out something you could say was the monster yeah there we go so. there we go um there was an article from live science that talks about what people are seeing generally probably and um 
basically most sightings of the lake monster are probably waves because Okanagan's geological features create long, unusual waves just because of how the lake is. So the waves are longer than you would expect to see in a normal lake. And so they look exactly like a monster. They look like a series of humps as they come barreling towards shore. In other cases, the sighting of a moving hump in the water is not an optical illusion, but is instead just floating logs. Trees fall into the water and <laughs> or look tires. like something. Tires, yes. Tires are uh, strangely tied together. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So when you read a lot of eyewitness reports that describe it as like a featureless log that seemed to be floating in the waves and came to life, you can pretty much put those things together and kind of piece together what people are generally seeing, which is these abnormal waves that look like three humps together and logs that are floating in the lake. Yeah. And they did talk in the episode, both in the native recreation. And then when they talked to modern people too, about how, I guess the weather there too, like the, the, the lake can change really fast. Like it can be yes. super calm and then suddenly just like lots of waves and then be calm again. So, so very, yeah, if you're very... standing there and you're like, oh, some monster must have gone by. And that's why I'm seeing these humps. It's the monster. Yeah. <laughs> Creating waves. It's not just winds or anything. Yeah. Talking about monsters. So I was looking for something. Actually, I wasn't looking for something. I just finished watching this episode and then uh, I was getting ready to start doing some research and I opened up Facebook for some reason. And there was a there was a post about the six million dollar man. Oh, there was a photo of him with the Bigfoot because there's the Bigfoot two-parter with the six million dollar man, and they had a link to a mental floss article about an urban legend from the six million dollar man that was true, and so I was like, "What?" And I thought it was talking about the Bigfoot thing, so I clicked through and read it, and the urban legend about the six million dollar man is not true. Oh, I mean, it is true, but it wasn't what I thought it was. It was about apparently nothing to do with the Bigfoot episode. Apparently, in one episode, they're like at a uh, like an amusement park or a scare house or something. And it turned out that one of the uh, one of the bodies in the scare house was a real dead body. Oh no! I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it was it had some it was someone who had died and been put on display for a long time, and then they think at some point it just got like they'd been embalmed. It was on display, and they think at some point it just got mixed up with a bunch of like display bodies, and so it was just there. And one of the cameramen or someone went to go move it, and the arm fell off, and they realized oh, it, was real, it was a real body. <laughs> Oh, no, that would be a horrific day. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't why I'm bringing it up. That was just how I got there. Why I'm bringing it up is is because the first one, so there's 15. The first one is about Candyman. And it's talking about Candyman and blah, blah, blah. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because this is X-Files adjacent. And I, there's no place for me to put it up. And since I found it during this episode, I figured I'd bring it up during this episode. Do you remember in... Oh, I can't remember which episode it was now. But remember the one where the dude is filming the lady in the bathroom? Oh, oh, was that irresistible? No, it's um, I think it's the one where they're eating the contaminated meat and like him filming. Oh. Or they or they're writing on the kids, right? Where they're writing like you are one or something like that. Remember which episode uh-huh. was that? I forget. Um. Oh, um. Oh my gosh. It was. It was that two parter with the alien assassin. No, it wasn't the two parter. It was. Um, was it the chicken one, Our Town? Red Museum. Red Museum. Okay, yeah. Red Museum. Yeah, it was Red Museum because it's the beef, right? But then there's that side story about the guy who's been like <gasps> all the kids that have been killed was being were being molested. 
possibly yes. be by the dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he and was filming the, the mother in the bathroom. The bathroom. Okay, yeah. And we were like, that's creepy that there's a space in the bathroom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently in Candyman, one of the scenes is like the Candyman like attacks from a mirror. And that is actually based on real life because apparently that thing was based on a short story by Clive Barker. And that idea came from a real thing that happened in 1987. A woman named Ruth McCoy was killed when a burglar crawled through a false wall behind her medicine cabinet, which was put there to make it easier to access the plumbing in the Chicago Housing Authority projects. So, like, things like that actually did exist. And I was like, holy shit, that's my great museum. So it just, I don't know. I didn't know where to put it because, like, that series, that's with season two. So I'm like, we're not coming back to that at any point. <laughs> but I was like, holy shit. So, you know, X Files adjacent. So, yeah, that's fascinating. And, uh, Ooh, also terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. Anyway. And apparently, one of the two characters in the 1992 film actually shared the last name McCoy with the real life victim. So, Aww. yeah. So apparently he got that idea from the real life event and then of course they made the movie about it in 92 i don't know when the book was written it didn't yeah i don't know i've seen here. the movie yeah it doesn't I say in here when the book well the book is based on a short story so i don't right. know when the short story was written but apparently the real thing happened in 87 movie was made in 92 so it was like a five-year window there but yeah i don't that has nothing to do with this episode but it was just something that happened while i was working on this episode and i was like holy shit because it really <laughs> the X-Files made me yeah. think of red museum so yeah oh creepy yep weird 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 yeah and as i said there's links for the name so it's nyataka i can't say it but it's like yeah there's like the actual spelling name with letters that aren't in the normal alphabet and then the other spelling is like n-a-i-t-a-k-a is the name for the okopogo monster that is the native name okay yeah i have some articles about don't call him Okopogo. His name is actually this from, you know, like the native side. And there's a there's a cool Canadian literature blog post about um, literacy transformation and the Naitaka Okopogo and about like how basically white voices kind of override other things. So, oh, so okay. Kind of yeah. That's like one little segment of it. But yeah. Sometimes nice. you find weird stuff when you're looking at things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of Ogopogo before this episode? Yeah, well, I okay. think he's one of the ones that Mulder mentions in Quagmire. Oh, oh, probably. You're, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I yeah. think he is. And I so I think I had heard about him from there. And so and I definitely went through a phase as a teenager on the old Internet before there was social media where you would just kind of like look things up. And I would just look up like, you know, lake monsters and cryptids. You would get on forums where people were talking about the mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm sure I've read about him and stuff. Again, it was not something that ever really interested me either but i I've de- had definitely heard of him yeah. yeah i had heard of it because well one i might have seen this episode possibly because i did watch in search of so i probably did see this episode and also as a kid i had like the time life books of like mysteries of the unknown and all that kind oh of stuff. So yeah, I had, yeah i had all those weird books about cryptids and weird stuff and stonehenge and all that kind of stuff so like i said i was i was into this when i was younger as a child so yeah, yeah so i knew about it but like i said i kind of never really cared about it you, you know Loch Ness monster is like the one right and then mm-hmm. like, oh you're just riding the coattails get out of here with your yeah i mean that's how i always felt about tahoe tessie too like there's yeah. no, it's just, just trying to get some tourist dollars to buy some merch some of that sweet sweet yeah. tessie merch yeah they I felt a Ogopogo little plushies a dumb name. which i always assumed ogopogo was like a native name but apparently it's not no the native name is different i don't know where ogopogo came from so i did not look yeah. into that 
Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't explicitly stated in the Wikipedia page that I saw at least. Didn't read the whole thing. So yeah. Didn't look. Actually I didn't even go to the Ogopogo Wikipedia page. Now I think about it, I went to the Okanagan Lake Wikipedia page to get some facts on the lake, but I didn't actually look up um, Ogopogo on Wikipedia. So maybe it does explain it there, and I didn't look. Maybe there'll be a <laughs> link in the show notes that'll explain it afterwards, and you can find out for yourself. Or you can just type Ogopogo in you know, Wikipedia. And look Into it up. the search really engine of your choice. O-P-O-G-O-G-O. So that's kind of fun to say. There's also a, oh, wait, was that link? Well, maybe I did go, because there was a link about a song, like from the... 1910s or 20s about the Ogopogo monster. It's awful. You don't want to listen to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So maybe I did go to the Ogopogo site and I just don't remember. But anyway, maybe. I don't know where the name came from and I'm rambling. So we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. Also, I apologize for the music at the end of Hurricane last episode. I wanted to try something cool. It didn't sound great, but I didn't change it. So anyway, our X-Files adjacent episodes are where we cover television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like what we're doing, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if If the the truth truth is still still out there. So the episode opens with Leonard Nimoy's narration. Oh, just so you and know, he... I've been cutting all that out and just going straight with the narration. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's just go straight with the narration. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we need to like say that we are quoting Leonard no. Nimoy. Well, because you're, but... you're channeling Leonard Nimoy when you do it, right? So it's the, they definitely I'm trying. I'm trying to channel his spirit. I have my copy of I Am Spock and I put my hand on it. Okay. <laughs> I try to channel his energy. Have I am not Spock and I am Spock and just do both hands. <laughs> no, I like, actually have never read I am not Spock. I've only read it's like I the am positive Spock. and negative battery connections. <laughs>